It's Law Talk with BJ, the podcast where trial attorney and legal commentator BJ Bernstein and her guests discuss the latest issues from around the legal world. BJ is a frequent commentator on television and radio. She's unique in that she not only comments on legal issues, having been lead counsel on numerous high-profile cases of national interest, but her relatable personal style allows the viewer to understand the law behind the headlines and why it's important. Now, here's your host, B.J. Bernstein. Welcome to Law Talk with B.J. This episode has been in the making in my mind for a while because we've talked to a lot of lawyers, we've raised a lot of issues, and I had to take a pause and say, but how do you find a lawyer? So many people will stop me and talk, whether it's neighbors, relatives, strangers, and will reach out saying, you know, I'm trying to find a lawyer. Do you do this? Or who, do you know who to, how to find a lawyer? And then when I'm sitting in court, which is a lot, and I watch lawyers and clients, I, I realize sometimes I may know something about the lawyer that, you know, was that the best choice for the person? Does that person really know and help guide the client the way it should be? And so we're going to spend this podcast going over the things that you need to take into account when hiring and looking for a lawyer. And as we do this, as I do in every episode, I'm enjoying a cup of tea. And that tea is ginger tea because it increases your personal power. And this episode really is trying to do that, increase your personal power to find a lawyer. The truth is, when you're younger, you don't really think about, I'm going to need a lawyer necessarily. And yet, the way the world is, when you start thinking of your day-to-day life or your parents' life, lawyers are everywhere. Um, You need a lawyer to negotiate a contract with your job. You may need a lawyer, certainly need a lawyer to prepare, prepare your will. We've had a podcast on that. You need a lawyer if you're getting divorced. You're needing a lawyer if you got hurt. If you need a lawyer when you got sued. Um, so many different areas of law. And so how can you find a lawyer? Obviously, the first one is talking to people around you who you know, a friend or a friend's parent. I've had referrals from pastors, from all kinds of people who say, oh, you know, I know BJ and she does the kind of law that you're looking for. So talking to and dealing with the people that you already know and trust, that's a good place to start, believe it or not. I found, though, a lot of folks over the years don't know what their actual needs are. With the internet, you obviously can go beyond word of mouth and and their online searches, which generate a load of possibilities, and we're going to talk about that. But the question in the end is who you're going to call and who you're going to hire. We can cue the Ghostbusters music now. Oh, no, I don't have the copyright to that. I don't have the rights to that. So we won't do that. But who you're going to call, I'm going to try to help you get there. There are some general practitioners out there. Um, lawyers, you know, think back to the lawyer shows where, you know, the one lawyer could do all, particularly in a small town, and and handle you know, a divorce, handle an arrest, file a lawsuit for you, draft that will. And there are some small, particularly in smaller jurisdictions, the smaller towns where there are not as many lawyers, 
that may be a person to start with in your local town because everybody knows them. But there are a lot of categories in law and reality is you can't master them all. Now, I'm not using the word specialize because depending on the jurisdiction or the state that you're in, certain bars will not let you say that you specialize in an area of law. You can just talk about the area of law in which you practice because specialize makes it seem like there's some sort of certification that is associated with that lawyer. And in general, you know, you pass the bar and that is your license to practice law and that lawyer can choose the areas they want to do. So basic categories are civil cases and criminal cases or matters. Civil can encompass so many things that I probably could just speak for the next hour on it. We're not going to do that. But, you know, first of all, the obvious a personal injury lawyer, if you've been injured in any sort of way, um, a lawyer who is a personal injury lawyer may handle it. Or there are lawyers who defend folks um, if they are a suit is filed against them. And so a civil defense lawyer. But I want to go a little deeper than that. You need a will or handling a state. There's an estate lawyer. You have a business dispute. There are lawyers that special specialized, I use the word because it's, in essence, the reality. They're lawyers who deal with business issues on a regular basis and can advise. And a lot of them do break it down more specifically such that, you know, I need a construction lawyer because I've had a dispute with regard to construction or an insurance dispute, you know, that kind of lawyer. So you have that general business category and then it's broken down. You have bankruptcy lawyers, and those are lawyers who handle bankruptcies. And then those are all types. There's individual bankruptcies. There's business bankruptcies. So there can be the smaller high-volume practices, or there are people who handle more complicated um, dissolutions of a company, and they practice in that area. Employment law is another area. We've had a podcast on that where employment lawyers handle a number of things. Some of them handle the lawsuits with regards to problems with how the workplace's environment is, whether they've been discriminated, whether they've been um, wrongfully terminated. And then others are lawyers who are handling, you know, the very contracts and different things involved in getting a job and negotiating out that contract and what having a lawyer review what you're signing when you take a job. Tax lawyers. There's lots of those. Um, There are a lot of issues with state and federal taxes. Social security law. You know, you get social security, but then, for instance, there can be problems with your benefits. And it may be more complicated than what you can handle. There are lawyers that do that. Intellectual property lawyers. Those are the lawyers who handle patents, copyrights, a very difficult area, a lot of technical rules. That is not something that's easy to do on on your own. The business attorney, um, a contract attorney is another way to put it, that just is advising small business or advising, um, you know, a corporate attorney, advising a large corporation, handle how to handle the myriad of things. And obviously, even within there, They have in-house counsel, which you could not, you know, you may be able to use if you are working for that company um, and get advice from. Although there you have to be careful that the client is the company and not you individually. Family law, divorce, adoption, custody, another topic. 
real estate lawyers. Remember when you buy your house, they do handle the closings. There are a lot of tricky things that can happen in real estate. Issues with commercial leases are complicated. Uh, Those require a real estate lawyer. They're consumer lawyers, lawyers who look out for um, the consumer of goods and services and problems in that area. International law, military law, you get the idea. There are a lot of different lawyers. And that's dizzying in trying to figure out, you know, who are you going to go to and how you're going to find someone. Sometimes it's very clear what you need. You know, if you need a will, I know I'm going to a lawyer that handles wills. But other times there's a subset of what that lawyer knows. um, And that's, as I mentioned before, that, you know, for instance, with a business attorney, one business attorney may be an expert in mergers and acquisitions and only handle that of the uh, merging or acquiring another company. Um, So you got to ask questions and you've got to talk to people to figure out what you need. Most people call a lawyer they already know. That may be a lawyer that you know from your neighborhood, uh, your church, other parents at school, any person that you have an acquaintance with, you may start there. And remember, that is a starting point. I know I've had a lot of friends and acquaintances reach out to me about a lawyer and total strangers when they hear I'm sitting in a waiting room at a doctor's office or I'm getting a pedicure and the staff knows I'm a lawyer and they know that the customer is having an issue, they'll say, oh, talk to her for a few minutes. I always try to talk to them. Obviously, it's not a very confidential place, but if I can point someone in the right direction when I hear Fairly quickly, I know, oh, that's not what I do, but I know a lawyer in the area that that they may need to go to. That can actually be a decent starting point. Not every time, but lawyers do know a lot of lawyers. Lawyers go to law school and all their classmates end up being attorneys on in all, all the types that I discussed earlier. I pretty much know someone from my law school class who handles every one of those categories. So that's a start. Plus, the other part is to pass the bar exam, questions go just are not just the area that you know. So at some point in law school, most of these topics, you've had some basic understanding from more in depth than what the general public knows. So that means that the lawyer you're talking to usually has a little bit more of a concept of the direction you need to turn into to find your lawyer. Some lawyers or law firms handle a lot of different things, and that may be okay, as I've said. In a small town rural area, they have a broader experience, but in general, realistically, lawyers tend to focus on certain fixed areas, you know, all those areas I listed before. Once you find out a potential lawyer handles the type of case you need, then you've got to find out a little bit more about them, not just what your friend or neighbor said. And the easiest way right now is most lawyers and law firms have websites, their own websites. Some of them are fancier than others. (laughs) There is a lot of creativity going into them. There some lawyers have blogs on their website. Some have videos um, that will take you through the process and you get an idea of what they sound like. Some of those videos are very fancy and are kind of looking like uh, a commercial that you see on TV. It's that level of production. And 
that's good or that can be helpful. But just remember, with all the flash, you got to look beyond the flash to look at the basics of that lawyer. How long have they been a lawyer? Where did they go to law school? And by that, I mean, it's not that you can't hire a younger lawyer, but you have to understand that if younger lawyers only been practicing two or three years, it may not be the same as someone who's practiced 10. So those are things that you're going to want to talk to, to the lawyer saying, hey, you know, I looked at your website. I've looked you up. I see that you've only been practicing this number of years. You know, what have you been doing? What kind of experience have you had? And make the decision yourself about whether that's appropriate. Make sure you do find out, though, how long they've practiced. If their website doesn't say so, you can contact the state bar or even most state bars. You can um, there's a way to look up the name of the lawyer and you can see what year they joined the bar in that particular state. Now, if someone's moved in from another state that may not you know, they may have practiced 30 years in Kansas and then find themselves in Idaho and only having practiced five years in Idaho. So you want to make sure you have the total scope of their, of their background. Then the other part of it is the number of years experience that you have um, could affect the price point. So it may be that a younger lawyer may cost less and that for what your needs are, that will fit and they'll do a good job. So it's not that Again, asking questions isn't going to be a deal breaker like, oh, if they don't have this, I'm not going to consider them. But just like anything else, it's something you want to take into account. Um, A small company, a small law firm may choose to have a younger lawyer handle something because of the reasonable price. In other words, at a law firm where they have worked for a number of years and the lawyer actually becomes a partner or an owner in the firm versus an associate who is a younger lawyer who's trying to work towards coming to the point of being an owner. So do you always need the partner to work on your case? You know, because if I'm telling you this now, you say, of course, I want the most experienced person. But the hourly rate of the experienced older lawyer may be much higher than the younger lawyer. And if a lawyer is just reviewing some basic documents, you may want it to be and be comfortable with the younger lawyer handling it at a smaller price point, and then the older lawyer making the ultimate decisions and advice for you about what you should do in a particular situation. So don't close the door just because someone's younger. Just have to take an intelligent look at it and, and pay attention to what you're getting. You can see the photo of the lawyer on the website. That's another thing to look at. Just remember, sometimes they're not updated. I just happened to stumble one the other day. I was looking up a lawyer and I was like, okay, that's like a 12 or 15 year old picture. And again, it's not that there's anything wrong with having someone much older or whatever. But, you know, you do want to have we make impressions on people, make sure that their website seems pretty much up to date in terms of who you're getting and who's there. So you've been online looking at the website. The other thing, of course, is an online search for lawyers that has taken over more than any TV advertising that you see a way for people to find a lawyer. And yes, A lot of people just start with a Google search. For instance, you put in criminal defense lawyer, Atlanta, and a bunch of names will start popping up. So what what do we know about that? Is the first name at the top of the page likely your lawyer? Maybe. 
Or is that the truth that the lawyer paid to have that pop up? But that may not be the right criminal defense lawyer for you. So you got to take that into account when you're doing just a basic Google search. Sure, you can start there. There are also legal search websites, and that has become a growing business in the in the legal world. Um, lawyers spend a lot of money to be able sometimes to be, again, mentioned first on those websites. Some of these websites say that they rate the lawyers and they give them these monikers, super lawyers or best lawyers in America, or there's a bunch of them, top lawyers. Every time I look, there's another company that's soliciting me for X amount of dollars. I can be on their website. And I can see why folks want to do it just like any other business. They want to be able to be one of the first things that you see. But are those ratings or the fact that they are on that website reason alone to hire someone? Sure, it can be a starting place, but I would I would be careful about it because that super placement or especially the ones that are like the top 10 lawyers in Des Moines, the top 10 lawyers in Baltimore, you know, really are they the top 10? Is there any such thing really as a top 10? The state bar doesn't rank them. Clients don't rank them. And so how do they come up with that? Well, they'll they'll say they are peer reviewed. In other words, they'll reach out to a bunch of lawyers and they will send out a form for the lawyers to fill out about their opinions of, of various lawyers. And I fill those out on some of them over the years. And I have been the beneficiary of being on some top lists. The early years of it, it felt more reliable than it does more recently. So I would say you can look at a list. It's a start, but the top reviews are paid for. And maybe on some of those websites, every single person on there has paid to be there. So is that really the best way you just for you to decide that that is your lawyer? It's not the only thing or the best thing that you could consider. Remember, some of these lists, I got to tell you, like even recently I saw one, I won't name it, but I happened to look at who was listed because I know the Atlanta market where I am. And I saw this list of criminal defense lawyers and every single lawyer was a white male. And obviously I'm not, I'm not a male, I'm a female. And I thought, really? This company is sitting here saying these are the best lawyers in Atlanta and they don't have a single woman. They don't have a single black lawyer. They don't have a single Hispanic lawyer. They don't have a single Asian lawyer. It's absurd. So I, I, I'm wondering, how did they get there? Who's rating him? Who's saying it? So that's a really great example of you may be missing the lawyer that's right for you when you're relying on those alone. And my colleagues may be a little upset with me after I've said this, that, you know, you can only give that so much credence because it is more and more a pay-to-play situation, and that may not give you the best lawyer possible. What you can get, though, from these online sources or the websites is just more detail about the lawyer. For instance, looking at their website or looking at if even they paid to have this listing, you may see what they're involved in. For instance, are they members of some specialized bars? In other words, 
Maybe they're a member of a subset of lawyers where you know that they're getting more education in the area. So if you're a criminal defense lawyer and you're a member of the State Criminal Defense Lawyers Association, like we have in Georgia, the Georgia Association of Criminal Defense Lawyers, Tennessee, the Tennessee Association of Criminal Defense Lawyers, that says to you, oh, they are a member of a group and those groups put on continuing legal education and have programs and newsletters providing information to their members to make them better lawyers. Has a lawyer written in the area that you are looking for? For instance, let's say you're looking for a bankruptcy attorney. You may go online and find some articles to see that that lawyer or their website alone may tell you, oh, I've written articles for law journals. I've written an article um, for the newspaper or a magazine on an area. That gives you some sense that they really do know that area of law. Their memberships in specialized bars, um, again, you can ha- go and look and say, you know, I want to check the Association of Women Lawyers in a particular state, or I want to check the Hispanic Bar Association in a particular state. So you can actually go to those bar association websites, and they may have additional listing and information, which says to you they are involved with the bar. So Take that online look and make it your own. I don't think I'm going to convince anybody to not use that as a starting place at times. But remember, you can even mix and match. You know, once you've done your online work, you can call a lawyer you know and say, hey, I was looking at this. What do you think about that? Now, the most important part is your personal interaction with that lawyer. The ideal is in person. But reality is that's not always possible when someone's arrested and needing a lawyer in a hurry. The phone call may have to be the first starting place about who the lawyer is, how they sound, what is their personality, what is your rapport with that lawyer? Do they sound like they're listening to you Um, or do they sound like they know what they're talking about? Um, Do you get a good sense from them that this is something that they have experience with? Again, we're sometimes in panic situations when there's an accident, you need a personal injury lawyer or there's a death. You, You know, people are running out the door trying to get everything taken care of as it should try to do the in person meeting. It tells you so much about the person. When you or first meeting that lawyer, or even if it's on the phone, a lawyer should be asking you a lot of questions to get the detail of what is really going on. It's an important part of the initial meeting so that the lawyer can focus on what's really happening. For instance, you have a certain narrative, but they'll realize that there's an area of law or a concept of law that is going to be problematic that you're not understanding when you're just telling the story of what's happened to you or a loved one. So make sure you try to really tell the lawyer everything that happened and make room for the fact that some lawyers may realize that they are not the lawyer for you. And they may say, you know, I'm listening to you on this call and I appreciate the call, but I'm going to send you to someone who knows more about that type of matter you're calling about. So as much as you want to talk, remember also to let the lawyer you're calling 
talk to you. It gives you a chance to get a sense of the person beyond what you saw online or from what a neighbor or colleague said in terms of the referral. You want to make sure that that lawyer, after you've spoken, has heard you. Um, They understand what you're saying. And, you know, the other part of that first visit is don't be surprised if the lawyer may not get as deep as you think it should be. In other words, you may have an initial meeting of 30 minutes to an hour, and that's only the start because truly to debrief someone sometimes takes hours to figure out what actually happened and what is significant and matching it to paperwork and records that the lawyer eventually gets. So know that this first meeting, you know, usually 30 minutes to an hour isn't going to take care of everything and make sure that the lawyer is comfortable with you following up later as you'd make this decision to hire them. Now, Beyond the lawyer assessing if he or she wants to work with you, the lawyer is also trying to determine if there are any legal conflicts. This is extremely important because you would not want to have gone into a long, detailed conversation about something confidential and then find out that the lawyer represents or the law firm represents the person or relatives or another company that you're actually talking about. So trust that the lawyer is asking the needed questions at this early stage. You want to give them some information, but you really want to answer their questions because you don't want to have a conflict. I know sometimes I get a call from, you know, a family member and they start describing the case. And as they start describing, I'm thinking, boy, that's really close to something I have in the office. And I know that three or four people were arrested and I tell them to stop and I go you know, maybe check my notes and say, you know, is this connected to an incident that happened um, on such and such date? And they say yes. And I'll say, you know what, stop talking. I can't handle it. You'll need to find another lawyer. So conflicts are real. Um, you may, you know, things are stranger uh, when you're when you're cold calling and uh, you need to make sure that there's not a conflict and especially um, the lawyer should be doing that, but you need to be aware of that as well. The other part is many times the relationship is going to be a long one. I know everybody wants their legal trouble solved quickly, but that's not always the case, particularly litigation, um, criminal cases, divorces, all of them can take a long time. So you truly want to allow the relationship with your lawyer to unfold. The first meeting is a get to know you meeting. Do we want to work with you? Then, of course, the other factor is, can I afford this lawyer? And if that's not clear up front, also, the relationship's not going to work. So find out from the lawyer how they charge you. Is it a flat fee? In other words, I just this is the fee I pay, and this is going to take care of certain almost everything in the case, or is it by the hour? Is there a minimum set of hours by the, the lawyer sets to handle a case. If you're billed by the hour, you don't want to be discussing matters outside what is needed. So I know sometimes a lot of us are chattier than others. And you can make small talk and be using the lawyer's time. And then you get your bill and you're like, oh my gosh, I just paid $400 for about, you know, 40 minutes of advice and 20 minutes of chatter. So you want to make sure that your phone call with the lawyer as you're doing business, um, sticks to the law because you're being charged for it. 
find out how they communicate with you and how you're billed on that. Find out, you know, is there a charge for each email you send or in each text that you send? You may find yourself, a lot of people, they want to check in with their lawyer often and email and text, but it may be too often and you end up paying far more than what patients would have protected you from. So ask the lawyer about the how the billing's broken down so in advance you can start changing how you're handling things. Depending on the matter, many lawyers will want a retainer. So particularly with lawsuits that are not contingency fee lawsuits. In other words, civil lawsuits, um, when you are injured, a lot of those are contingency fees. You hear the commercials. You don't pay unless we recover. So in that instance, um, it's a little easier because you know that they're going to just take their percentage and the expenses involved in the case um, and that you're not going to pay. But you want to make sure that contract is really clear. Other times you're just hiring a lawyer to handle something, for instance, of divorce. Some lawyers have a flat fee. Some lawyers don't. Most of the time they'll say, you know, I want to get from you, for instance, 5000 or $10,000. And then the lawyer puts that in what's called a trust account from which they can draw their fees and expenses. And then any unused funds go back to the client. So with these situations, you want to make sure, again, that you are not costing yourself too much money by talking too much and too often um, because curiosity is killing you when you're paying by the hour. Also, make sure how the fee structure is set within the firm. You know, the partner sometimes is charged at a higher rate, an associate at a lower rate, the paralegal at another rate. So again, even calls, if it's not to the main attorney, still may be costing you money. So you want to make sure that you can budget and make sure that it works and that you look at the bills when they do come in so that you know you are covered and don't get any surprises. There are things like sometimes you'll see a divorce and you'll see advertise a set price for a no-fault divorce. But then they may not be including that as the divorce proceeds, there was some particular issues with custody or visitation. And so you may have some more fees than you expected. So again, have that honest conversation about the money at the beginning. Do not be afraid to talk about the money on the fee arrangement with the lawyer. Expenses also can add up and people forget about that. They say, well, you know, I gave them that $10,000. That should cover X amount of hours. But you're, there are a lot of expenses. For instance, whatever the lawyer is paying for outside of the office is going to be billed for you. So when you have a court reporter take a deposition, when they're taking your testimony in a civil case, you are paying for that court reporter, a printed copy of that deposition, a paralegal perhaps, um, the costs of postage, courier's fees, private investigative fees. There's so many fees that can be attached to it. Again, you just want to know up front what type of case you have, what the lawyer thinks are anticipated fees, knowing that they can't predict all of them. But if they've been practicing, they can give you an idea so that you can be ready for it. So hopefully all of this has given you an overview of being a good consumer and finding a lawyer 
the last piece of it is just do you like the lawyer? Not as your best friend, but if that, particularly with court cases, that is the person who's going to be standing up and speaking for you. Is that who you want as your advocate? Do you think that their way will be such that it can convince a jury or a judge to listen to your legal arguments? And that is truly subjective. There are all different styles of lawyers, too many to go into, too many different personalities. You know, someone says, I want the toughest roughest lawyer out there who can tear somebody apart. Or uh, I think I get called a little bulldog a lot. Um, But at the same time, that's not how I sound every moment. There are moments where something more dramatic and forceful is needed, but there are other times where you also want a lawyer who can listen. And the best way you can tell that is, are they listening to you? Um, it's so important that your relationship is a strong one, knowing and and talk to the lawyer about how often will you hear from um, the lawyer? Because remember that lawyer, you are not their only client. If you are, then you are paying a heck of a lot of legal fees to be able to um, house and take care of your lawyer for the number of years that you represent them. So you're not going to hear from them all the time. So Go ahead and have that conversation up too. How do you communicate with me? How do you let me know something has happened? How quickly will you let me know that something has happened? A lot of my cases, they, I'm going to start with the area of criminal defense. You know, you get arrested. I get you out on bond. And then sometimes it is six months to a year before we're in court. I may have a bunch of things that we're doing at the beginning, doing some investigation, trying to get ready. And then it's dormant. And I'm not really calling you to say, hi, it's another month and nothing's happened. Um, certainly the lawyer sometimes will do that or the or, or the client will say, hey, is anything going on? But there are times, whether it's criminal or civil, particularly in litigation, where things just go quiet because the court system is full. There are a lot of cases. And you know this when you go into the courtroom and you see how many people And the courtroom is filled when they're calling a calendar. You know, a calendar will have perhaps 75 to 100 cases to be tried. Well, they're not all getting trialed during that two-week period the judge sets. So it may be that you're there, but the lawyer hasn't gone into overdrive at that moment because they know, for whatever reason, they've talked to the clerk, they've talked to the judge's office, opposing counsel, that the case is not ready for trial. But a sure as I am, that there are going to be some quiet times, especially if a case is going trial, then there's going to be some incredibly busy times where you're doing productive things that you need to pay for. You'll understand why you're paying for it. You'll understand why your lawyer is doing it then. So don't go necessarily overboard or have the conversation with your lawyer about how often will you update me or is no news good news. Again, it's a very individual thing based on the type of situation you have. You know, as I mentioned before, there's bankruptcy, employment law, tax law, social security. Uh, You know, you are waiting sometimes for the government to do something, and it, it, it takes a very long time for them to start the process. So once you know that your lawyer is ready and organized and has information from you, um, it's okay not to call every day. It, it creates um, a difficult relationship, 
And so an honest conversation can avoid that. Finally, trust your gut um, and know that if you engaging with your lawyer, especially in the early stages, it's a lot of times people switch lawyers later. I understand why it happens. Sometimes it's valid. They realize they've got the wrong lawyer, which is why you want to interact enough at the beginning. So hopefully you can avoid that, that you have a good relationship and you're trusting that you're with the right person. But if you feel like you're with the wrong person, then go talk to another lawyer. You, you, it, it, it is your case. It is your legal situation. Never forget that. The lawyer is working for you. Even if it's a court-appointed lawyer, even if it's what the insurance company gave you as your lawyer after your car accident, because that's part of what you're paying insurance for, it is a relationship that you want to work. And so put in your part and urge the lawyer that you receive, if you didn't choose them, to work with you to get the best possible result. Thank you. And hopefully... You won't need a lawyer soon for anything but good news. But if you do, I hope I've given you some information to help you find your personal power as represented by this nice ginger tea that I've enjoyed with you. Thanks. This podcast is not to be construed as legal advice. With any legal issue, you should reach out to a professional attorney that practices law in the state and area of law for which you need information or consultation. Law Talk with BJ does not establish an attorney-client relationship, which is only formed when you have hired an attorney and signed an engagement agreement or contract. It's Law Talk with BJ Music Theme, written and produced by Atlanta Audible. This podcast copyright 2018, BJ Bernstein Esquire. <laughs>